It's time for episode 156 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, September 28, 2016. Clockwise, four people, four technology topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast that clocks out way before 5 p.m. I'm your co-host, Dan Morin, and across the internet from me, my co-host, Mr. Jason Snell. Hi, Jason. Hi, Dan. Good to be here. I'm glad that you're glad. It's it's good that it's good. It's real good. <laughs> this is Clockwise, the tech podcast, where we talk about tech topics with two wonderful guests. To my left, from iMore and a co-host of Isometric, Georgia Dow is here. Hi, Georgia. Welcome back. I'm so excited to be back. We're excited to have you. To my left, it's Slovenia's leading tech journalist, he may also be the only tech journalist. He gets his phones in a paper bag. It's Andrzej Tomic. Welcome back. I'm glad you keep bringing up the paper bags, <laughs> which again happened when I got back to work this week. So. Just don't ask. There's phones in there. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's, let's kick off our, our actual technology topics. Uh, I'm the designated co-host this week. So I'll start by saying iOS 10 recently added a number of new features, including one that allows call blocking apps to sort of scan your incoming calls and let you know if they come from, you know, spammers or scammers or telemarketers. I'm curious to know if, if any of you folk have given this a whirl. Okay. So I'll start off with this. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is going to be a rich topic today. I can tell. One is I, would feel bad? I don't know. I feel bad. I, I answer every call. One is because I'm a, a psychotherapist. And so I never know if a call is from someone in need or someone that wants to seek therapy. And so I answer everything. It's unknown caller. I answer it. It's a spam person. They could be calling from work, but still need treatment. And so I answer that as well. So one is probably because I'm Canadian and I would feel bad. Um, and the other one is because <laughs> of my job. So uh, I have not tried them and I probably never will. So I hope to hear from, from everyone else how their feelings are about that. Uh, nope. <laughs> I haven't tried them either, Dan, but I will say this. I would like an app or a setting, quite frankly, in the phone app that says, if this is not from uh, somebody that's in my address book, I don't even want it to ring. I just don't, I just don't even, you can tell me that somebody called with like a push notification or something like that later. Um, but I, I don't even want it to ring because I get all of these calls that are from uh, numbers allegedly near me that are junk, even on my cell phone. And I, I, I hate it. So I would try these apps. I haven't, but I would try them. But I also wouldn't mind just filtering out everything that isn't from a known caller. Uh, so yeah, I'm on Android anyway, so I haven't tried them. But uh, I, I've been kind of lucky. I haven't been getting the spammy calls and text messages somehow. It's the same way I've avoided uh, Instagram ads for so long. I just don't get them. And just since we're talking about this, I think I'm going to start getting them now. Dan, this is a perfect setup. We all said no. So now you're going to say, I, but I actually have. And let me tell you all about it, right? I've never tried. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, I just, you know what? I just downloaded one this morning because I'd heard about a couple different ones. Um, there was, there's one I think called Nomo Robo, but it's not out yet. Um, but I tried a one that's uh, Haya. And I'm actually, I was pretty impressed with it because I, and I, I thought about it because I had gotten a call this morning. I'm like, I don't know who that is. And normally I just don't pick up and and they leave you know no voicemail message or like one of those two second voicemail messages where there's nothing actually in it 
Um, and so I'm kind of in, impressed with this because it like it looked at all my recent calls and it's like, oh yeah, that's a known scam. Yep, that's a known scam. Because usually I just Google them like afterwards just to make sure I'm not missing a call from somebody important. But it, uh, apparently these will actually like badge the calls on the screen as it rings to say this is like a scam or a telemarketer, and then you can easily add it to a block list because there is a block list in iOS and has been for a little while, but it's kind of annoying to do if you don't really know about it. So uh, I'm, I'm interested to give it a little bit more of a try. Um, I Like Jason, I get a lot of spam calls and I just don't answer them. And sometimes they're like, you know, like actual scams. And sometimes they're just cold calls from like PR agencies. Um, I, I think a, an option in iOS that let you block calls from incoming people I mean, you can kind of do that with Do Not Disturb, but the problem is that it, it turns off a whole bunch of other stuff too, right? Um, so I, I have the email set up where it only gives me an email notification it's, if it's from a VIP. Um, and it, it would be cool if they had something like that for, for calls as well. But it, it seems like an interesting idea. Um, I hope it solves a problem I have, which is my phone ringing and, and it not being important at all. Um, and I'm, I'll continue to, uh, to give it a look. So thanks for your thoughts on that. I, I hope maybe you guys will give it a try too now, and then we'll talk about it some other time. <laughs> uh, let's move on to our second topic, which comes from Georgia. So uh, we've just heard that the safe new Galaxy Note 7s are still having battery meltdowns. So uh, let's pretend that you've just been hired as the new marketing department for Samsung, and you're going to see how you can spin this into its new feature. Oh, wow. This is like defend the indefensible. Okay. (laughs) It's fall now, and uh, winter's just around the corner, and things are going to get cold. Wherever you are, things are going to get cold in the Northern Hemisphere. And um, you know what? You need you need a warm phone by your side, and no phone is warmer than the Galaxy Note Seven, with a battery that is just heating up all the time to keep your hands nice and toasty. And so, what could be better? It's large; it's radiating a lot of a lot of heat off the back side of that phone. And uh, so, yeah, it's your winter companion. Uh, put it in a uh, like a like a little wrapper of something that's not flammable, though. Uh, that's also what I recommend. That's the little subtitle. That's all. That's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> that was going to be my thing, but I was going to say put it in uh, well, uh, the tin file. Because I think, <laughs> like you know, if you just put it in tin file, yeah, when it heats up and burns up, right? You get you, you know, like, like in Star Trek, if you shoot a rock with a phaser. Although it is kind of sad because that phone, like I, I, I've held the phone and it's a well, it was turned off, but it's like it's. it's a, <laughs> It's like a, it's a pretty phone. It's a pretty it good phone, right? So yeah. it's so, yeah, it's just crappy that that's happening. But the weird thing was, I just flew back from America, as Jason knows, and the pilot on my flight, both of my flights, because I had to take two flights, right? When I'm from America to Switzerland, then from Switzerland to Italy. And on both flights, the captain, and I'm, I swear this is true, had to say over the, the speakers, like the uh, use of the Gal- Samsung Galaxy Note 7 is prohibited on this flight. So they actually got a thing where they had to name the phone and like prohibit its use, which makes sense because they explode. But I just like, if you're a Samsung employee and you're on one of those flights, it must be really just depressing <laughs> to hear <laughs> that. The, the, the captain of the flight saying, just don't, don't use the phone. <laughs> I'm going to suggest a media tie-in. There is the new MacGyver show on CBS. And you know what's <laughs> handy? Being able to cause fires as a distraction. So basically what you've done is turn this into like a delayed timer fuse. You know, you can leave it uh, attached like, you know, a little bit of a... you know, some flammable objects to it, maybe like some sort of rag soaked in gasoline. And then boom, you got instant fire. Uh, you know, I, I think that's, 
I think that's a handy, uh, a useful thing. Or maybe it makes a good like incendiary grenade or something like that. So I suggest media tie-ins to showcase how the, the you know your phone exploding and catching on fire could be a benefit to you in a serious situation where you need to say extricate yourself from like a bank robbery or something. I think there's a lot of possibility there. I like that. So I have mine. Uh, one is uh, get the hottest phone on the market before it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> These phones are so scary, even the NSA doesn't want to touch them. <laughs> and my last one, which could be used, this one you may want to actually steal, uh, want a great way to get off of that plane trip to see your in-laws? Then this phone is for you. (laughs) (laughs) Those are all excellent suggestions. I think Samsung would be smart to take us up on any one of them. Thanks for that topic. Jason, what time is it? (laughs) It's time for halftime of probably the weirdest episode of Clockwise ever. (laughs) And so I want to tell you about our halftime sponsor, who is not a weird sponsor at all. It's Linode. Linode is a uh, a combination of high-performance SSD Linux servers. They're spread across eight different data centers all around the world. So it's a great solution for your personal server infrastructure. I use a Linode server uh, for all of my stuff, and it works fantastic. It's easy to use. You can get it up and running in less than a minute. Plans start at just $10 a month. You'll get two gigabytes of RAM in your server for that. You can choose your resources, your Linux distro, your node location, all from the simple, easy-to-use web-based manager tool. Once you're up and running, you can deploy, boot, resize with just a few clicks. There are more than 400,000 happy Linode customers taken care of by a very friendly 24-7 support team. They're open over the holidays. If you've got something you need help with, they will be there for you. They're also committed to improving their infrastructure. They made a switch from Zen to KVM, for example, a a little while, uh, while ago, and the Unix benchmark went up 300% when you basically restarted the server and you got a better server. That's basically what happened there. Pretty great. They do the work. All you have to do is click a button in your web browser, and you get the benefits. It's a full package for your server infrastructure needs. They have the power you require and the infrastructure and assistance you want. And what's even better, you can get $20 toward any Linode plan by signing up at linode.com. That's L-I-N-O-D-E.com slash clockwise and you'll also support us and there's a seven-day money-back guarantee so there's nothing to lose go to linode.com slash clockwise to learn more sign up and take advantage of that 20 dollars credit or just use the promo code clockwise 20 at checkout thank you to linode for sponsoring clockwise all right topic number three we'll see how this one goes google is expected to release a bunch of new stuff and announce a bunch of new stuff october 4th at a special event including new phones dubbed pixel which makes me think that maybe the the days of the Nexus are over. But there's this persistent rumor that Google is going to start making its own phones and that the Pixel phones may not have anybody's branding on them other than Google's. So that's my question for you. Should Google be in be in the business long term of making its own Android phones, its own hardware? Or is that a game it shouldn't be playing? And I'm going to go to the man who gets Android phones and reviews them all the time. I didn't mention the paper bag there, Anjay. What do you think? <laughs> I, I think this is kind of exciting because, well, we should like clarify, like the, the pixels are going to be built by HTC, right? So, but no HTC branding. That's, that's the, that's the rumor. Yeah. That's the rumor at least. Yeah. But like, um, but so even if Google like starts to make 
I'm putting air quotes around that, uh, uh, their own phones, like they're not going to have their own CPU and GPU, right? So that's still going to be either Qualcomm or some other manufacturer. So they're not going to be as integrated as Apple. But even like um, excluding that, I think it's pretty exciting because like I'm an Access user and that's basically the phone I usually recommend to people if they're on the Android side because there are some genuine benefits with uh, stock Android, just um, uh, the way um, the other all of the other Android manufacturers just put a ton of crap over it that just basically confuses people like that situation has gotten a lot better the last couple of years but like to, to, to just have a stock android experience with some nice hardware and again the rumor is that it's going to be pretty premium phone so no longer sort of the nexus program which except for this year kind of tried to be a sort of mid-range or between mid-range and the higher um, high-end uh, android phone so i think it's pretty exciting and I think they should actually do it because I've uh, I've used the Google Pixel Chromebook and that's a great machine, although it does cost way too much, basically. And the Pixel C tablet is uh, like a nice hardware build. So maybe if they get a couple of years into it, they'll, they'll get good at it. But we'll see how the Pixels uh, sort of work out, the two phones that are rumored to come out now. But yeah, it's pretty exciting and I think they should actually do it. I think maybe hardware, this is going to sound so stupid, but like maybe hardware isn't that hard anymore. I know that's just wrong to say, basically. But uh, <laughs> Apple's been doing this for so long, they kind of make it seem effortless. But I think when you look at some of the Chinese manufacturers like uh, Huawei, what they've been able to do with like um, metal design and stuff, like things have come a long way. So maybe Google isn't that crazy to maybe start doing stuff on their own. So I don't know. Here's hoping the Pixel phones are good anyway. Oh, they're crazy like a fox. Um, <laughs> I, I, feel, I feel like uh, this, this seems like one of those perpetual rumors. I feel like I've heard this rumor for years. Like, oh, Google's going to release its own phone and they make their own hardware, etc. And I guess it really depends on what make your own hardware means, right? For certain values. Um, because like you said, the Nexus phones, you know, which have been Google branded have, for the past but haven't been built by Google. It doesn't sound like this one would necessarily, like, strictly speaking, be built by Google. But they might design it, I guess. Um so I, I think it's interesting because Google has made, predicated the sort of success of the Android platform on the idea of it being open and available on all these different phones. And it's always a little odd for them to come in and say, but aha, we made the Android and here is our Google phone with it. And certainly I think that's something that could be very attractive. If it ends up being a sort of luxury positioned phone, as Anjay is saying, where it's like a more expensive, um, like some of their other products, like in the Chromebook category, for example, I think that's an interesting move for them to try and compete more with Apple, which is traditionally seemed to take the more expensive end of the phone market um, and dominate that a bit. So I feel like maybe this is Google saying, well, we feel like we've got cheap phones, you know, Android phones. Uh, Android is doing very well among less expensive phones, for example. Maybe it's time for us to move upwards and try to compete a little more directly against the iPhone in that market. Um, it's also been a little weird, I think, you know, because Android being distributed as a free OS doesn't really turn around and make a lot of money back for Google, right? I mean, they don't charge licensing like uh, Microsoft was doing with Windows Phone. So a lot of the benefits they seem to get out of this are, you know, people integrating into their ecosystem, which is great for them collecting data, or, you know, the idea of simply like search results uh, and ads. But in, traditionally in the past, they seem to have done better on iOS with their ads over there. So, uh, you know, making their own phone is certainly one way for them to leverage another revenue stream, which 
which is a, a certainly a good possibility. Um, and Google seems to be moving more into the hardware realm as well. We saw them tease that Google Home speaker. Uh, there were rumors, I think, late last week of them putting out some new, like, more Wi-Fi routers because they have the OnHub now, but they also perhaps doing, like, a mesh uh, thing. They've tried a couple different uh, hardware things for streaming to the TVs. So uh, maybe it's time for them to move into the uh, the phone market as well. So I, I totally believe that it's it's possible, but I think this will probably end up being something a lot like the Nexus phones we've seen in the past, just perhaps with different branding and a different target audience. So um, I think that it sounds like a good idea. Like I think that I think that Anjay's really right about you know Apple makes it look easy, but I guess Samsung proves that that's not always the case. And so I think that it would allow them to control like it being fragmentation and being able to control the experience from one phone to the other, and they could put all of their great software onto it. I think that uh, a lot of their user base though expects to have really cheap low-end phones that are very affordable. And so this might also help them take over a little bit more of the market share and be able to maybe steal a piece from Apple at their own game. I think that it would probably be a more difficult than Google would be looking at, but it's not that they don't have the funding and the people behind them to be able to make this happen. But I think along with Dan, they've been saying, and this has been the rumor for a really long time, that they're going to be coming out with this and everyone has been waiting. And so I think that with you know Pixel, they're testing the waters a little bit closer to that and then they're going to see how well it does and then decide if it's worthwhile the amount of money that they would have to go put into it versus what they would be able to get out. Yeah, I think Google Play is a dangerous game, uh, and they, they, they're, they're walking a fine line, which is they want to have exert some control over the hardware ma- manufacturers of Android phones and show sort of how it's done. There's a reason that Anjem uses Nexus phones is because there are a lot of things that, that are advantageous about using a phone that is pure Android instead of having <clears throat> the stuff that for various reasons, mostly I think involving ego and attempts to differentiate themselves from their competitors that mm-hmm. other phone makers put on the products. So I think Google is right to keep doing that, to have to plant that flag and say, this is what we think a phone should be. This is what an Android phone can be just to have it out there. At the same time, if they went full bore into being essentially uh, a Samsung uh, competitor, then they risk either turning off their, uh, their hardware partners, which are their partners, or a fork of Android, which at this point is, would be kind of hard to do, but it could be done. And that would give uh, result in uh, Google losing control. So I feel like Google walks this line where they're going to keep talking about it and they're going to keep releasing hardware and maybe they will uh, focus the branding a little bit more so that there's no name on the back and maybe they will be more involved in the hardware manufacturer um, of of these devices, but I have a hard time imagining them going full bore into this just because I think that's too far to go. But if they abandon the reference platform idea, then that's also bad because then they're not setting the tone. So I don't know. I feel like they've been doing this thing. Like Dan said, it's all the rumors keep being out there about this. I think that's for good reason. I think that this is Google trying to stay right on the line um, that keeps everybody uh, honest and uh, but doesn't go over and start making Google too much of a serious hardware competition for their partners. Okay, let's put that topic back in the paper bag and we'll move on to Anjay's topic. (laughs) Okay, so BlackBerry is basically done making its own phones, like designing and hardware-wise. So what uh, could they have done at any point since, you know, the introduction of the iPhone that maybe wouldn't result in them shutting down making their own phones? That's my question. Well, 
I guess they could have set them all on fire. Um, <laughs> no, wait, Samsung already did that. Never mind. Um, geez, you know, it's interesting because BlackBerry had so many devotees of the hardware keyboard, right? And they decided, for the most part, with a couple exceptions, that they were really sort of doubling down on that idea because they thought that was what would save them was their, like, devoted, uh, you know, customers who love the hardware keyboard. Um, and so... Uh, I think that didn't really work out for them. I think they found themselves quickly behind the times, um, and they didn't really adapt well to the iPhone coming into the market. Um, it's that classic problem of you know the old uh, was it the Palm guys? Like they're not just going to walk in and, and and make a phone, right? Like these computer guys, and and that's exactly what they did. Nobody believed they were going to do it, but uh, rather than sort of reacting to the changes in the marketplace, they sort of willfully ignored them and were like, ah, oh, uh, we've been doing this forever. We know exactly what we're doing. Um, and that proved not to be the case. Uh, I think they had a long-running um, uh, sort of niche with the business use cases, but I think they, they probably spent a little too much time focusing in on that because it was much easier in the end for you know companies like Apple and Google to expand into that space. Um, especially as more and more consumers started picking up smartphones for their own personal usage. Uh, it was easier for the Apple and Google to like build in the business features into their platform or at least make it attractive for third parties to come do that. Um, and I feel like the BlackBerry never expanded much beyond that business use case. They didn't really move into the consumer realm, and, and went, or at least certainly not until it was too late. So lots of things they could have done, but I think that they, uh, they basically just failed to react to where the market was going. Yeah, I think that... Uh you hit on really a lot of really important points with that. Um, I, I think that they just, they weren't quick enough to recognize where they were going. Uh, I think Wayne Gretzky says you want to skate to where the puck is going to be, not where it is now. And I think that they did. They held on way too long thinking that the differences between having your, you know, hap- happy, happy, qu- uh, QWERTY keyboard is going to make the difference. And people that are hardlined, they were really strong and hardlined and they held on to the end. But a lot of BlackBerry users kind of moved on along with the times. And as for the case of being used in business, I think that they also didn't foresee that people were going to start bringing their home phones that they were using for personal use into the business case use. And that was going to be the phone that they were going to use in both cases and just have different email accounts and, you know, deal with things in a different way to that. And so I think that they just were not open enough and flexible enough in order to see what was happening. And they waited too long to innovate to where other people were purchasing phones to that. And I think that it slowly sunk them. And it's really sad being a Canadian company. I think that, you know, they were a little bit too Canadian, too happy and sweet, and everything's going to be okay. And they should have been thinking a little bit more further ahead. Uh, They kind of got Microsoft a little bit, uh, Microsofted, where they, you know, their success was in business. And and, and it was very hard. I think it would have been very hard for them to change, even if they had uh, recognized, which they should have, the threat of the iPhone. It would have been hard. If I had to put my money down anywhere for like something I could have changed about BlackBerry was uh, BlackBerry doing what Microsoft actually under Satya Nadella has done a lot, which is sort of let go of some of the the past heights and instead focus on the future and uh, providing services and being a, a company that provides secure uh, business services on smartphones. I think maybe if they had embraced 
Android and iOS early on and made uh, top class BlackBerry apps on those platforms so that you could get an Android phone or an iPhone and still be in the BlackBerry universe. And so your company could insist that if you brought an iPhone in, you had to get the BlackBerry stuff and continue to use the BlackBerry servers that maybe they could have transformed their business. They would have perhaps lost the hardware business in the end, um, but their, uh, their core of serving enterprise and governments and things like that with secure email and, and messaging might have been stronger and instead they've lost uh, sort of both parts of their game uh, to a to a certain extent and uh, that's that's a tough one and I feel bad for our Canadian friends too. That was sort of going to be my point because they, they I, I doubt they could have changed even if they probably like I, I'm guessing people within the company, some people within the company saw what was happening. But I think there's a lot of inertia, just like institutional inertia uh, at a company that big that maybe it's, it's, it was too late anyway. Like in any case, even if changes were starting to happen, but it is like to me, it's fascinating because if you think about it, uh, I guess the iPhone was right, 2007 and yeah. we're in two, uh, 2016 now and it's basically happening now, right? This is like pretty definitive when you end, like when you give up on your hardware uh, business. Like it takes, I guess, nine years, you know, to like fully give up, which is just amazing to me. Like that's one of those things when kind of, when you were hearing like the Palm people and Nokia, like management saying, well, touch screens are okay, but people prefer the keyboard and people at BlackBerry. I, you'd figure, you know, they don't get it. And in about five years, it's all going to be over, right? but it's taking a long time, which is still amazes me to this day. Like when I saw like the, the headlines uh, today about uh, BlackBerry giving up on its hardware, I was like, oh yeah, right. They, that's still going on. Because <laughs> No, like January, I'm not trying to be funny. Like it's nine years. That's a long time, right? Like that seems, it's bizarre to me that it can actually take that long for sort of a company to, uh, you know, uh, kind of give up basically on. I was going to say for the body to hit the floor, but sure. Oh, damn. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Nine years, man. That's, that's not, not, yeah. All right. That's four topics. Jason. How are we doing in this wackiest of episodes? Do we have time for a bonus topic? Uh, I'm sure we do because we have a sponsor for the bonus topic, so we got to find a way to fit Fantastic. it in. The bonus topic brought to you by HelpSpot. If you deal with any kind of customer support, you need HelpSpot. It's the most comprehensive and flexible help desk software around. You can let your customers reach you however they choose. Email, web, phone, it doesn't matter. HelpSpot can be the central place for all your customer support needs. You can turn disjointed email exchanges into meaningful conversations with your customers. Get a quick view of trends relating to your support requests, including real-time reporting to see exactly what's going on. HelpSpot can host everything for you, or you can run HelpSpot on your own servers, so it's up to you. Uh, there's direct uh, SQL access to write custom reports, extensive APIs and Zapier integration for connecting to your other business systems, best value in customer service, committed to giving you unrivaled value for your hard-earned money. It's able to easily manage customers to get a few requests a day, all the way up to enterprise clients with 500 email mailboxes receiving millions of support emails. It doesn't matter where you are or how big you grow help spot can help you they're not a flash in the pan they've been doing this for more than 20 for more than 12 years and they've got startups and fortune 500 companies working for them they'll be there when you need them and it here's the thing it's free for up to three users so you can get started and try it out and super inexpensive for larger teams 
And you can get 10% off for life. That's right, for life when you use the code clockwise when you sign up. So go to helpspot.com slash clockwise, start a trial today, or sign up for a free one-on-one demo to learn more about how HelpSpot can serve your support team. Thank you so much to HelpSpot for supporting this show and all of Relay FM. Okay, Dan, bonus topic. Let's make it short and sweet this week. Do you play any sports, Georgia? Okay, so no, everyone's going to say jiu-jitsu. I do do jiu-jitsu, but I would love to say my newest thing is scuba diving. I have just gotten my uh, advanced certification to like 100 feet, which is actually pretty deep, uh, which is awesome and so cool because when I was a child, I always wished that I was a cuttlefish uh, just floating around in the water, and now I get to be one. So there we go. Uh, Dan, you know, you're just making me feel sad. Now, I run and uh, occasionally ride a bike, but the fact is that, yeah, I used to play like softball uh, and other kind of rec stuff, but at this point, it's all kind of solitary stuff for me. I'm just a, I'm the lonely runner. Yeah, that, that's a depressing question for me as well, because I just, <laughs> I just stopped playing basketball, really, this year. Finally, as my girlfriend would say, but this is going to be <laughs> my first year in about, what, 13 years where I've played actual, like, like all, semi-professional, I'll say that, uh, basketball. So, like, this is going to be the first time in 13 years where I'll actually have weekends free, Saturdays free, so no games and, like, no three, four, or five a day, like, a week uh, practices. So mm-hmm. I need to find a new sport. Maybe I'll try jiu-jitsu. Like I, jiu-jitsu. Jiu-jitsu yeah. is awesome. I, hear, I hear good things about you too. Uh, I play ultimate frisbee as probably most of the people listen to this podcast know. Um, it is a sport. I defy you to say otherwise. My kids are both <laughs> doing uh, ultimate frisbee units in their PE classes this year. And I thought of you. Nice. Too. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. I'm, I'm glad that it's made it to that. So you're young at heart, Dan. I, I am. Not knees, though. Young at heart, old knees. Yep. Uh, well, thank you for your answers to that. Uh, and that wraps up our show. It remains only to thank our wonderful guests, Georgia Dow. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. And Andre Tomich, thank you very much for being here. It was good seeing you when you were in the United States, and it's nice to hear your voice. We, we saw each other like a week ago. This is weird. I know. It is so. a little strange. Yeah. I, I took yeah. Andre to an American football yes. game. Though the spectacle of it, and it was great. Go, go, Cal! Right, that's what I'm supposed sure, to say. Uh, <laughs> oh, close enough, close enough. And okay, uh, Dan, close enough. I don't know. This is going to be uh, going to be a weird show. It was a weird show. I think it was perfectly fine. I don't know what you're saying. We'll try it again next week. That's the best. That's yeah, the best about it. If if one show is weird and off the rails, you get back on the rails for the next week. But until then, we remind everybody out there: watch what you say and keep watching the clock. Please, we beg you. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> 